Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to our brand new Geekscape episode. I'm Jonathan London, and each week I like to sit down with storytellers and talk to them about why they tell stories. Usually they're from some kind of pop culture background, movies, video games, comic books. My guest this week is Felicia Day. Uh, She was on a very early Geekscape. I think it was in the singular double digits, and I think it was within the first year or two of doing Geekscape. It was very very long ago and very early. It was very long ago, very early, and to put it in context, you were promoting the upcoming season two of The Guild. What? <laughs> yes. Oh, you what was really cool was uh, we were all really excited because you had just done that deal with the phone company. And yes, the, Sprint. The, it was Sprint and Sprint. Xbox. In, Sprint's still around, I think, right? Uh, I don't know. Did they get bought by... Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. Xbox There's so Apple? many mergers. All, is it just all one company now that owns all phones? Yeah, so I remember you uh, were promoting this new release that was going to be exclusive to Sprint for some period for their new online platform that was going to be digital. And I was like, wait, wait, you watch it on your phone? This is amazing. (laughs) It was so early. Oh, we're such babies. We were such babies then. Yeah, and it, what's funny is uh, now something like that wouldn't just wouldn't be you'd just be like whatever. It's it's on the it's only on the phone. Of course, it's on the phone. It's something that's exceptional if you actually put it on TV. I was wondering if, like, I was talking to somebody and I was thinking, what's actually on? I don't know what's on network anymore. I, I don't. I don't watch anything. There's a bunch of billboards around town in Los Angeles about new shows that are coming out, and I'm like relieved when I see the billboard because I'm like, oh, I don't need to watch any of that. And that's <laughs> that's kind of what happens is you're at like a stoplight in Los Angeles and you look over and you're maybe you're on Pico and you're next to Fox and you say, I've never heard of any of these shows. Nope. And I don't, never will. And it's crazy. I mean, it is sort of this diversification of media that kind of, I think we, we kind of knew was going to happen back then. I mean, if you look at like web video, it just got super oversaturated and then nobody could make money and it collapsed. I'm sure the same thing will happen to podcasting. Sorry, podcasters. <laughs> no, it's and great. the same thing is going to be happening to big television shows. Cause we have like seven 
SVOD things launching and everyone's going to be like, why am I not making $12 off every single person in the country a month? Everyone's fired. So it is, uh, there's not enough time in human lives to watch all the television and we have to be totally totally ruthless. And I would much rather be playing a video game than watching television normally. Well, let's talk about it because um, you're not just consuming and that's the purpose of this uh of this new book uh geekscape is felicia's talking to us about this brand new book embrace your weird uh i think this book is actually a pretty incredible book it's a lot of fun first off like just in reading it um it, the subtitle for the book is face your fears and unleash creativity which um is a pretty tough process and we, let's talk about creativity a bit because um the book is not Let's just go ahead and spoil it. The book isn't just about creativity. As much as it's a uh, a, a great uh, voice inside your head type of book where in a very hilarious way, Felicia talks to you about, hey, get up there and, and go do it. Don't be self-conscious. Embrace your fears and go for it. And, and, and you know, uh, failure is feedback. And a lot of the things that we say on the show as uh, to our creatives, um, the book is also about some level of mental health. Yeah. Well, the reason I wrote the book was I wrote a memoir a couple of years ago called You're Never Weird on the Internet Almost. And when I got feedback from fans about that book, primarily, and I, I had no idea that, I mean, part of my mission in life is to encourage people to be creative. And that was always, I think, because I started DIY making things in my garage and I was kind of rebelling against the system that was not appreciating me, not really seeing me and not valuing me, which to this day really still happens. It's just not a system I think that I fit comfortably in ever. Um, and so I rebelled and I was like, well, you know what, what I have to say is worth saying, even if you don't approve of me. And it's so hard to even have that mindset. But when I took that to the reins, I made the career that I have today. And when I relayed that story of, you know, my journey kind of getting from weird homeschool girl to internet entrepreneur to who I am today, a lot of people resonated in the creativity area, but they also resonated in my sharing, my anxiety issues and my depression issues, which have been something I've battled many, many years uh, up and down. And so when I saw that, I was like, listen, I can add a lot more value to the world by writing um, a a self-help book because this is a a self-help book because I think people will help themselves, whether it's just getting a new hobby or really transforming their life. Like um, these kind of books got me to where I am today. And I just wanted to do a fun and funny version of them that has geek references that I can put in there and my fans will understand. <laughs> it's kind of fun to read uh, just because you, you go off the, I know it's edited. I know that you, you've gone through many iterations of every single part of this book, but you still have this really natural way of sounding like you're in my ah. head. You, like, you're whispering in the ear saying, Hey, here's a funny little joke in a side. And I apologize for this line. <laughs> you <laughs> Rather than not even put the line in the book, you're just going to put the line in the book and then apologize for a mental image like puking, <laughs> you know, because any writer knows about the vomit draft. The vomit draft is like, that's what we call it. We call it the vomit draft. Um, I heard a really, uh, uh, Geekscape is, I'll find the name for you guys later on. But uh, one of the things that when I teach writing now uh, or lecture, I I talk about um, FBR, which is the, the tactic to go. And I, I'm, I'll find the name of the individual who I heard say this, but the concept of writing FBR fast, bad, and oh, wrong. So <laughs> and, <laughs> and you just tell yourself when you sit yeah. down. Yeah. You, I mean, where would you be Felicia? If you didn't just say, you know what, maybe I don't know how to write these episodes, but nobody's really doing anything like the guild. I mean, really, what if yeah. uh, I, d- I just you know, started writing and I had no plan, no outline. And I'm not saying that's the way to write. Like it was a very slow process and 
experience has got me faster, but yet not fast enough because I'm still not as facile a movie writer as I would like to be. Um, but part of that is because I have this sort of perfectionism that keeps me in my head um, and inhibited uh, and just kind of like letting myself go and playing and being willing to throw out stuff to get where I need to go versus like, you know, really sitting in my own juices that don't necessarily get me anywhere. They just get me inhibited and even more afraid. And so, yeah, um, I, the style that I, I write in is very similar to what I did in my memoir, but also, you know, this book is uh, a reflection of how I interact on the internet. It's a dialogue. You know, my publishers initially didn't want to do the format. This is because it is essays and writing. And then there will be, I will stop and I will give somebody an exercise um, to sort of apply what I just talked about in real time. And this is not necessarily the standard format for books like this. There's really no template. And I was, I was even worrying that it would work, but having, having that interactive quality to the book where I'm talking and then you as the audience are receiving it, and then you can do something with what I'm talking about in your own special way. I thought that was super important because um, I read a lot of books about how we learn. And if you can get learning in your body, um, it's, you're, you're going to have, you're going to have it stick inside you way more than if you're just listening to somebody or reading a book. Right. But in, in, I actually want to ask how much of the books learning are you reading for yourself? How much are you learning from being a mother and you're absorbing a lot of this stuff through just the process of raising a child? Um, how much of it is at that nascent level and how much of it is something that you're reading out of your own, uh, hunger? I mean, I read to... I think that uh, whenever, and this book was really written out of sort of a life crisis in that mm-hmm. I, I reached a point where I had a child and I didn't know, and I was having to let go of pieces of myself in order to fit this big, huge thing. It's like kind of like, oh, I bought this huge couch. What do I have to get rid of in this living room to make this couch work, right? Um, right. So, um, and, you know, all this sort of identity things about how people treated me differently, um, uh in, in good ways and bad, um, having a baby and not wanting to talk about it online, but then what else do I talk about? So I was going through a lot of identity <laughs> crisis, which I'm very expert at, by the way. And so I know <laughs> that the process of this book, you know, the first section is putting yourself together as a creator, digging in and really figuring yourself out. And the next section is about enemies that are keeping you back. And, you know, also after that, it's infusing play and finding allies to support you on your journey. And so I realized having taken steps back away from the book now, I really wrote this book to put myself and and rebirth myself like a little phoenix um, with a lot more sass (laughs) um, to be a creator again. And also let myself go of some hooks that were like keeping me um, stuck in a place that I was unhappy, trying to please people, um, holding on to sort of like internet likes as representative of who I am, um, trying to fit in a Hollywood mold that again and again, I'm proven that, hey, this is really not going to work for you um, because you're not feeling like you're being authentically yourself. And so, yeah, this book was my journey on this. And I think whenever you can infuse something personal in your work, um, it gives it more meaning to you as a creator, but also to people who are consuming it. Yeah, I almost feel like the subtitle of the book could have been a fun way of overcoming fear. Uh, because so much of that is what keeps us in place and where we are. And really the ultimate thing with fear is Geekscape. It's like, you just have to carry it with you (laughs) and you, and it doesn't mean just say, Oh, F it. Uh, I'm going to throw the world out the window and ignore it. Um, you can bring all that stuff in. You just have to keep going in a lot of ways. I, I think I've mentioned this on the show. 
uh, sometimes I don't think about creativity as creativity. I think about creativity as just being intensely, almost blindly and dumbly prolific <laughs> where you just, because, because honestly, if failure is the thing that, that gives you feedback, if, if failing or doors closing your face or the feeling that you get when you did something wrong and then correcting on the next draft or, you know, nothing's written. It's all, it's all rewritten. Um, it's, it, I always, I've started to just now think of creativity as not, it's not creative at all. It is an endless just, just throw at the wall. I think it's just uh, you c- continuous self-expression. And I think, right. you know, I think that uh, the thing that I, I try, I talk about regret in the book. There's a whole section about regret and how it doesn't really help us. But um, the only thing I regret is not having learned how to deal with all those things like regret earlier because yeah, I'm regretful about regret. Um, but when I look back at something, I have a sketch for, you know, a movie or whatever at when I was 25 or whatever. And I look back there, I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I'm the person who needs to write that now. So we are traveling linearly through time. Right. And unless we capture ourselves creatively at points in our life, we'll never have those points back again, or we will come back Mm -hmm. with a, a different, um, point of view. So who we are in the moment is so fleeting and so wonderful that um, we need to sort of collect ourselves. We're all so incredibly interesting. And whether that's collecting ourselves by just knitting or it's by writing or uh, doing visual art or dancing, like whatever it is that you're showing your authentic self to the world, it's really important because you're only that self in the moment. And so unless you continuously do it, you're not being seen. And I think being seen is what we all need down uh, inside. Did this book almost succumb to a fear? Were there times when you, even either in the, the beginnings of putting this book together or in the process of putting it down, maybe you're, you're halfway down the road and you're like, wait, there's not really a book like this that is half, uh, you know, workbook, half uh, inspiration. Is this going to work? Were there parts where, where fear kind of became a pothole that you had to just put your nose to the grindstone and say, nope, not going to listen to you. hundred percent. I mean, I think underlying message here with the book is that creativity is important and the work mm-hmm. of creativity is what we need to emphasize. Um, and so if you put your, if you put your, you can control the work, right? You can't control the end result. And whenever I, in the middle of the book would get writer's block or like eat way too many donuts or just feel like maybe I should abandon ship. I mean, the book was really meant to be only more of the exercises with small little paragraphs. And my editor encouraged me because she loves my writing. She's like, you can write more, make this more personal. Um, And so really dive into the writing and write as much as you can. And some sections would be just torture. And I was like, I don't know what to write, but I would literally, I trained myself to do the exact same thing I tell people to do throughout this book. It's like, okay, it's going to be a grind, write four terrible pages and write until you feel playful again. And then in the work of it, while you're walking uh, down the street, you will find what you need to find. You're not going to find it being stuck in just eating donuts. So I think if you're constantly moving and constantly processing, right, you're, you might be churning mm-hmm. 90% of it is trash, but then you'll get to the 10% that gives you joy. And when you find those sparks of joy, like there's one section in the book where I, I'm writing about anxiety, which is literally the albatross around my neck for my whole entire life. I am just... I don't know if I'm an anxious person or I was taught to be anxious. I think it's, uh, you know, part and parcel of all the same. I'm a, we're all complicated people um, with genes and nurturing. And so um, I have panic attacks 
And I also, uh, you know, lose my mind a little bit when I'm under pressure. And so writing about anxiety was really the core of what I wanted this book to be. But I wrote that section like two or three times before I stumbled upon like an analogy of a six-sided dice. And then I got excited. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is exciting to me. What are the six techniques yeah. that I use that have worked for me under such, and then I got excited. So, you know, I never would have done that if I had just been like staring at a blank page for the, the for a week and a half, right? Yeah, and Geekscape is, Felicia's not saying that you can't eat donuts while walking down the street, but the important, <laughs> you ha- the important part is the walking down the street. <laughs> just keep walking, move those feet. <laughs> just keep moving, just keep moving, the donuts are fine. Um, when you talk about mentors, obviously you've had a lot of amazing collaborators, um, and the mentors are important. Somebody might be listening to this and being like, oh, yeah, easy for you to say when you can send Joss Whedon a draft of your script or bounce your stuff off that, of your buddy Will. <laughs> but what's that? I've never done that. I've never sent my script a draft ever. I promise. <laughs> sure, sure. So, so do, I mean, you don't need to know your mentors, do you? I don't believe that you need to know your mentors. I don't need, I, I believe that, that you can play the game of imitation until it's a inherent part of your voice. Yeah. I mean, I taught, there's a section about allies and, you know, I think the three sections are role models, mentors and um, friends. And so those are kind of baseline. Like these are the three people you kind of need. And it's like, okay, you have like Oprah, you know, is my role model, or uh, you know, Judy Greer or whatever. And so identifying those people are aspirational and you probably will never meet them. That's fine. But you can always look to see how they did what they did in order to, excite and add tools to your own arsenal to do your own work. The mentors are, you know, also, you know, a friend could be a mentor. I think that's kind of a blurry line. You're right. Like mentorship in general is, it could be as grandiose as the star and as small as like your sister or whatever. So um, I think it's just anybody who has information you don't have. A mentor is anybody. Like I think in the mentor section, I'm like, you can learn from anybody. We have the privilege of being able to go out and meet any 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 person on the street, and any one of those people will know something you don't know. If we appreciate that around us, we have so much to draw upon, right? Um, and so, uh, I, I think those three levels of having allies in your life will get you through the, the tough times. Because I don't think there's any creator who will say like, "Oh yeah, every single thing I make is easy; it comes instantly, and I'm a genius." Nobody is like that. <laughs> And if they are there, you probably don't want to learn from them. Yeah, like that's not, you don't learn from that, right? No. There's nothing to learn there. You're just like, okay, you're savant. Congratulations. That is no, no good for anybody but you. Well, what were the big lessons for you? What were the big, like the hits that you took where, like you said, like when you, when you just were speaking earlier, you, you talked to yourself as a, uh, I think you, you use the word web entrepreneur or something along those lines. You do not consider yourself that way anymore? I mean, I step back um, from the web world because quite frankly, the whole industry kind of bottomed out and I could see that coming. I mean, I'm really proud of what I've done. I like created one of the first serialized web series and I created a media company that I then sold to a bigger media company. And within that, that didn't really matter to me, quite frankly. I just liked working with my friends and I loved making content that resonated with fans like Tabletop, which is a show that I did with Will Wheaton. And it really helped boost the whole board game industry in a way that I was so excited about because I, my life was enriched by that show. Um, Mm -hmm. There was, we built a Twitch channel because I just loved the live streaming aspect at Geek and Sundry. And that was one of the top um, uh, uh, 
Twitch streaming um, channels for a while, um, as far as like businesses go. And then out of that, uh, a show called Critical Role happened. It is a huge phenomenon in the D&D industry and I think um, has helped mainstream uh, role playing, which is a huge passion of mine from years ago. Um, so like, those are the things that I am proud of. And unfortunately, the ecosystem right now is not supportive of people who want to make video. I don't know one person who would pay me to make a video right now. And so I do have to support my child. And even though I love, I've done, I do some brand videos, like I do them because I'm like, oh, I get to make a video. <laughs> right. It's just so hard. And also the platforms are so not friendly to the kind of things I want to talk about unless I became a mommy blogger, which is not my style at all. Like that is not how I want to define myself 100%. I'm a lot more than just a mom. I am a geek still. I am an entrepreneur. I'm a creator. And so um, I can't just keep throwing my self-expression onto a platform that doesn't appreciate or um, protect its creators. And so it's kind of a weird world right now. So that's why I'm kind of doing books. I have a Discord channel that I hang out on a lot with my fans. I do Twitch just for fun. And I'm working on just writing and acting. That's what gives me joy. And I think, you know, the book is a very good lesson in in just kind of ruthlessly getting rid of things that are kind of draining you as a person. And especially uh, having, like I said, you have this baby move into your life and it's taking up more and more room as, as she gets older. And I'm like, what do I, what do I really care about? What can I not let go of as a, as a creator? And it really helps clear out the weeds in in our lives because often we just kind of do things because they're there and they're not really enriching us. So how much of this is about listening? How much of this is about opening yourself to the idea of this outside world that, it, that you have to duck and weave against as it changes as it has for you and over the course of your career, um, but while still kind of gatekeeping a lot of the noise that's out there. And we do talk on Geekscape a lot about cutting out the noise and just understanding your signal, but that, that signal is your authentic self and the things that are inherent to you and everything else are these kind of daggers that the world will bleed you out from a million little cuts. Um, how, how, how would you exercise listening? Because that's what it sounds like you've been doing. Yeah. I mean, primarily it's listening to myself and I know that, uh, and a lot of this diving into yourself and is, is about discovering who you are authentically. And I, that's very general and it doesn't seem, and I, and as you, as if you read the book, you'll realize they're just tools. Like I'm, I'm like, here, this is how we do this. Let's discover, let's figure ourselves out because I think we take ourselves for granted. We enter like situations where we're in a box and we're not being heard, but we're okay with it because we don't really acknowledge ourselves. Or you've put yourself there by going on social media and comparing yourself to every other person on the planet. A hundred percent. I had an analogy earlier today um, where I, uh, I feel like when we have our, when we have our self, it's business, it's about self-worth and how, what, right. and, and, and valuing who we are outside of other people's value of us. And so if you are constantly, you know, putting yourself out there, define yourself in a very controlled way, it, uh, it feels like you're sitting in a car and you're driving a car uh, and then you start papering the windows with beautiful pictures of yourself. So that people look at your car, they're, all they're seeing is the ideal version of you in that car. And then when, but when eventually when you've papered all the windows, you're not seen at all. You're just sitting in an empty car unseen. <laughs> and let's hope you're not, let's hope you're not driving because at that point you just honestly don't know where you're going. Uh, that's where I felt got, there several right. times in my career. And so um, really audience starts to, um, I love my community. And the reason I do this is because I can talk to my community. I know thousands of them by name and I can recognize faces from 10 years ago. Um, and that is important to me. 
But when you start chasing audience, when you allow audience to define you, and it's very hard as a public figure, especially on social media, um, it, it you start to feel hollow and unseen and your inner creator um, is upset. And that's why I think, you know, when I put myself in dangerous situations, my body is telling me get out. And that happens to be certain things that I want to cut out of my life in the future, like auditioning and being, you know, doing like huge events and like, um, you know, having to be on social media, posing and doing things that are organic to who I am. And I've kind of cut all that out. And so when I do something, I want it to be because it is either helping me do what I love, or it's something I'm it's something I love. Um, and it's, it's been a good process, but you're, you're totally right. No matter what level you are on social media, you have to realize that nothing is real. These are all shells of who we are that we're kind of bumping into each other. And unless you're really looking inside in a, in a conscious way to make sure you're safe inside those shells, um, I think we start to feel really abandoned and, and unsafe. I, and I like to take it one step forward and say, hey, Geekscapist, we're all just hurtling through vacuum on a molten rock. So none of this really matters. <laughs> like, and yeah. the fact that none of this matters or will be remembered in the grand scheme means that everything matters. So just take care of yourself and practice well, self-care as much as you can. Because 100%. I mean, it's so like I listen. I've been really lately. I've been really obsessed with like big, big vision history like seeing yeah. how civilization, civilizations form and collapse and like really big, you know, physics and astronomy. And like, we might be in the midst of one right now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you see that sort of big vision, I do believe we're in a societal collapse. Like in all the stuff that I've read, I believe that America is in a collapse. And so we are in the middle. We will probably have a fine life in 200 years. They will be saying, Oh, that was the collapse. Right. But mm -hmm. that's just, I'm not an apocalyptic person. I'm just like, if you look at the patterns of um, how civilizations uh, survive, like Florence lasted between two and 300 years, we're kind of around there. Um, it can, can, can a society withstand that? That's how, how long Rome kind of uh, lasted in, in, in that sort of duration. So like, um, there's, it's way more complex with Rome. Okay. So don't do a, a comment. <laughs> right. Okay. But what I'm saying is that I, I, we are in the middle of something that we can't control. We won't see the end of. And so it's almost liberating in a sense to be like, when you see a big picture thing like that, like we are blips. Our lives are very fleeting in the grand scheme of everything. But there is so much good we can do in the, in, in the short term together if we, like, if we just care about each other and care about ourselves in a way that supports who we are inside. Because nobody else will ever be like us. In existence and that's what's kind of special about it um and so it encourages me to like dig in and do things locally a little bit more yeah maybe you know me carrying a metal water bottle around is not going to like help you know change global warming but it will do it it will it will help and 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 i think in the great when you think of the big scale stuff we feel helpless but if we do things together we 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 are stronger and that's the only way anything will ever get done and so it almost is a boring thing to me. I don't know. Other people might get depressed. So we're just, you know, inevitably going to die. <laughs> no, I mean, if this is all a giant web that we've been woven into, we can really only affect the strands that we are connected to. Exactly. And, and some of us are connected to many strands. If you, if you talk about your fan base and what I do, I do love in your introduction of the book, talking about all the various things that you've inspired your fan base to go on and then do, which some of them are insane and hilarious, <laughs> but beautiful in their own way. Um, 
you, you, if you try and affect the strands that are beyond you, which I think does get into the sickness of some of the social media mentality is you're trying to affect strands that you actually aren't connected to and have no ability to affect. And, and in doing so, you're, you're actually weakening your own connections. You're weakening your own strands. And what are you doing? You're cutting yourself free to go somewhere else on a web that you're, you're not, not listening to the universe. Yeah, you don't belong and you're not going to feel like I do that a lot. I mean, you know, it's a social thing where I have FOMO where I'm like, oh, that group of people has such good, you know, Seth Rogen's group seems like a fun place to be. And I'm like, what am I mean? That's called weed. That's called weed. It's called weed. And I don't even I don't do that. It's just, I, don't, <laughs> right. I don't care if you do it. It's fine. It's just like I would not want to be at their party. And yet you're like, wow, you're always I think especially Hollywood. It's like we're never happy where we are. We're always, right. it's the definition of Hollywood. It doesn't matter how successful you are. There's always something out there that is better and that you should deserve, you deserve. And um, it's a very toxic, toxic situation that doesn't allow you to be where you are in the moment. And I'm not a huge like Zen crystal person, but there is an argument for appreciating where you are in a moment because the moment will never be there again. It's the same thing as like the, 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 you're a different person every moment. So appreciate every kind of person you are in your life. And so if you can kind of settle yourself and appreciate the webs around you, like, yeah, I want to dig in and have a better relationship with my brother. And then I will extend that web out to the people I've worked with who I really love and I want to keep in touch with and, and make things with again. And then I extend that to the community who likes what I do. And then that community can link to another thing. So as long as you're honoring your place in the web and reaching out in an organic way from there, you can go anywhere you can go as far as anybody huge 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 but if you if you're trying to just jump and be a part of something that's not organic to yourself you're just going to be unhappy so would you uh acknowledge that your anxiety is as some form of defense mechanism um i mean i no, i think my anxiety is um i i am never nervous when i'm pitching a tv show because i know that i can take that out afterwards i sure. it is something i thought of and if they don't want it, I'm depressed, but I certainly I'm not like devastated. I right. have performance anxiety of reading scripts in front of people. <laughs> like, and, it, and it's because um, you as an actor go in and read lines to be a character that you put your heart and soul in. You pr- represent yourself as that person. And then they essentially say, no, we don't like you. And there really is no line between you as a person and you as a character, right? So you're constant. you are being rejected for who you are. And then that thing you work so hard on and put your heart in is taken away and given to someone else because it's not yours to begin with. You're just auditioning. And so my body cannot get over that. And so I, I just acknowledge that I'm like, this is, I've never booked roles through auditioning. Right. Practically none. I've just represented my own work. I made my own work. And then people are like, Oh, we love her. Let's put her on t- screen. And I'm an excellent actor. I will say that when I get an op- opportunity, to, but I'm not a good auditioner and I will acknowledge that too. And so, you know, my body feels unsafe and uncomfortable. And no matter what I do, what kind of drugs I've taken or, you know, like legal drugs, but like sure. prescribed drugs to calm down or, but it's always my body not wanting to go. And at a certain point, I'm like, let's figure out the roots of this. And whether it's just me underneath saying, don't do this to me. Or it's something that I can deal with and work through. But don't put yourself in danger until you figure it out either way. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I was on uh, the set of Supernatural during, I think, uh, season 11. And oh. uh, I was understudying um, uh, Bob uh, Singer. Bob and Singer? Oh, my God. I love Bob. Yeah, I love Bob, too. And I, I was uh, – we were talking about – I was talking to Jim, one of the producers, about yeah, – Jim, uh, oh. Jim Michaels. I was talking to him about, about – 
I was talking to him about you specifically. And, and, and this is what I remember from the conversation was him just going under his breath. I told him not to kill her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes, the entire internet just went cr- I told him not to kill her. <laughs> yeah, Jim was pretty sweet about it. Um, you know, I can be very political and say that um, I was devastated as a person and an actor because I love that character so much. And, but it's not my world. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day. And I got so many great opportunities as that character. I can't, I couldn't feel bad. And then they brought me back. So they did. It's not good, man. You know, like <laughs> I, <laughs> it's so funny though. <laughs> I can see, I can see the conversation. It was just, uh, yeah, you just said it unprovoked. I told him not to kill her. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those people, they've, uh, people really like killing me because hopefully it's because I think people have told me, well, it's a compliment because you're likable. You're instantly likable and then you'll make the audience feel something. I'm like, that's great, but I still want a job. <laughs> right, right. Well, let's talk about some acting that you got going down right now. Um, uh, you're with my good friend Steve Berg on Voyage to the Stars. What is I, this thing? I yes. love Steve. I love Steve so much. I wrote, I had a project called Singledom at Fox, and I always thought of Steve as one of the characters, and it just He's never perfect. went forward. He's a and perfect sitcom person. You he he is so funny. He is He's so funny. Uh, but he plays the janitor on Voyage to the Stars, and you yeah. play the, the science officer, and this is a Motley Crew. Stuck on the inside of a uh, what? It, what is this? It's a podcast. It's an improv sci-fi podcast, so it's a comedy, um, and a lot of hybrids. But it's a it's a wonderful podcast. So basically, uh, it's me, Steve Berg, and we were on Doctor Horrible together, Steve Berg. That's right. And, I, and he just happens to be the best friend from um, from childhood of my business partner Ryan Koppel, who created Voyage to Stars and writes it. Um, so it's crazy incestuous world. I didn't even know that until we showed up on set. That's insane. And, yeah. Isn't that yeah, and it's Colton uh, Colton Dunn from Superstore and Janet Varney from Legend of Korra and uh, uh, Stand Against Evil and all that stuff. So we have a great cast. Kristen Vingsness from Criminal Minds is joining our cast this season. And we have all sorts of great guest stars from The Office and the, the web and everything. And so it's completely improvised, though. So what we do is we get um, – it's not completely because we do get story points. And so we'll get like a scene. And we'll have a beginning, middle, and end kind of thing. And I'll have like two or three points I need to drop during the improv, and then we'll go. So every line of dialogue is completely made up. Most of it is just coming out of our mouths, but we know that we'll end in a certain place that will feed the narrative um, from scene to scene. And I think it's masterful what Ryan created here. And um, it's just so fun as an improviser to know that we have the safety net of knowing where we're going. Let's just have fun going going there. Well, what's it about? The, it the is plot about- is, yeah. Yeah, the plot is about um, four people who um, get, get sucked through a wormhole and have to find their way back to Earth. And so that was first season. And now we, at the end of the last of the last season, we kind of found out like, oh, we know how to get back to Earth. So the second season, which premieres September 17th, um, is us kind of making our way back to Earth, knowing that there's this, this large, terrible evil called the nothing that's going to suck up all these planets, including Earth, if we don't get there and try to save it. No, that, that went from like personal singular group concept to now the it's a galactic universal thing are small and large yeah and it's very funny and we destroy a lot of planets along the way ourselves but that's just a technicality <laughs> that sounds pretty good oh, do you guys record it live in a venue like some of these podcasts that get recorded out at uh, largo etc 
You know, we don't do that on a regular basis. Colton is on Superstore full time, so um, we have to work around his schedule. But we have done four or five live performances, and I really would love to do more because it is just so fun. We have a, a great rapport. The cast has a great rapport. the The material is fun and geeky, and we have lots of like late '90s references for some reason. <laughs> And uh, the reason yeah. being our generation, exactly. <laughs> the, the reason being our age, our age is the reason. Um, yeah. So we have a lot of inside jokes and, and, you know, you know how improv is like things will come out of our mouths and it's just like, wow, I literally will listen to the episode. Like the, the season premiere came out two days ago from when we were recording this podcast and I listened to it. I was like, oh my gosh, that was so funny. I don't remember saying a word of that. It is so just immediate. You spit it out and then you move on. So it's so it, I'm a fan genuinely I'm a genuine fan because um, I really don't even know what I'm doing so it's new to me when I listen to it. <laughs> um, well, Geekscape is the show is called Voyage to the Stars. Definitely go and subscribe to it. I think that it's exclusive to Earwolf at the beginning. Like you guys, the Earwolf puts it out. Um, it's not exclusive. You can download it anywhere. You can download it anywhere, but it's an Earwolf show. It's an Earwolf show with Madison Wells Media, which is a company that produces it. And I think there's premium stuff in Stitcher, like behind the paywall. But it, you get all the episodes for free anywhere you get a podcast. Okay, so Geekscape is Voyage to the Stars. Uh, and I should get Steve on the show in the next month or so to yes. talk about it as well. Because I love the guy and I want to squeeze his cheeks. Oh, well, he's just one of the sweetest, most genuinely nice people. And in this business, it's very hard to find a person who's made it through and still isn't bitter. Because I will say... I've, I've gotten rid of my bitterness, but it's, it pops up sometimes. <laughs> I think the bitterness is just like, like it needs to turn into acceptance after a point and say, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to remove myself from this. You know, today I, today I pitched, I pitched a TV show last week to a bunch of people at, or it was like three people and it was amazing. The people in the, the, the producers and the people in the room were like, this is one of the best pitches we've ever heard. And it didn't end up selling. And I got the last call this morning and I'm just like, I wasn't even upset to be honest with you. I'm just like, I actually know that this is a great project. Like it, not in an arrogant way. I'm like, I, I don't think they made the right decision, but they made the decision for a lot of reasons that I don't know. And I'm, I'm literally going to do something else with this idea. Um, and it was the first time I felt really confident in that, in that I trusted myself. I made something that I need that needed to be made. And, or I presented something that needs to be made. And if they won't let me do it, I, as a creator, have many avenues that I can get the story out there. And I think that's the, that's the end result of a lot of the process I've gone through in the last year, including doing the book. A year ago, I would have been like, well, what can I make next that they might like? And that always leads me into a, uh, an unhappiness because I'm not genuinely telling a story as an artist that I care about, that I would do e even if they don't buy it. And I think uh, having reached this point, I'm like really happy with myself. Um, that I can have that faith that yes, this is still something that needs to be made. I mean, the guild never would have sold anywhere. No one's ever optioned, offered to option it or anything. And yet it's one of the very, very successful shows. So it's not like their opinions are more important than my opinion. And I think valuing ourselves and not in a not arrogant way is very important. Um, so I, I agree. I'm not, I, I think we, we, Geekscape is forgetting anything from this conversation. It is that importance in, digging as fast as possible or as much as possible. And the book uh, is really a great guide for that in embracing your weird. Um, find your inherent self and then learn, find ways to celebrate and share your inherent self. I have some questions for you from the Geekscapists. Um, okay. Tyler Jen says, I'm going to the store in a bit. You want anything? But we're going to, okay. Well. Um, I mean, I'd love some cool ranch Doritos because those are my they're, things that I won't buy so myself. I, I mean, they're, they're, it's death breath, but... 
Um, yes. Who, but who are you going to kiss? That's what I tell myself. Like when I eat an onion or something, I'm like, yeah, I'll have onions on it. Who am I going to kiss? Oh my God. It's so good. I mean, yeah. the, the, there's something about Cool Ranch though that really smells like dead people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just call it Zombie Ranch. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, here's one, uh, and we'll get into some. Uh, I actually have a surprise for you, I think. Um, and I texted Zach to see if he's legit with this. My buddy Zach Shut uh, wants to know your status on a gaming PC. If you have a gaming PC, like I think he, he said, you do have a gaming PC. Um, uh, I'm actually having a new one built um, right now, so okay. I'm excited because because my buddy Zach runs a company called Zadax PC. They gave Will a, a, a PC, I think, a, a year or two ago, and Zach was oh, like. Yeah. Zach was like, I'll build her a PC and send it to her. Oh, that's so nice. I'm, uh, I wish I had known about that. I actually have um, uh, a company donated some parts to a person who, I, I, okay, I tweeted about six months ago that I needed a new streaming rig. And of course, every single company, I mean, not of course, but, but sure. five or six companies lined up to give me free PCs. Because, and I think like, Zach is one of them. So Zach's like, hey, oh, man. Really? Zach's, oh, like, man. Zach's like, hey. So Zach, just send it to me so I can play Wing Commander 4 again. Well, the thing was that I had all these options and I was like, I want to support, you know, grassroots people. Cause of course I'm like always trying to do that. So I was like, well, a person offered to build me one and I was like, well, I'll pay you the, the, your fee to build it. And then I'll have this other company give you uh, the parts to make it. And so then we can celebrate building PCs. Cause I love that idea of DIY making stuff. And sure. I wanna, that's what I support more than it. So I'm sorry, Zach, thank you for offering. I really appreciate it. I'm already, I'm already deep in this other project though. Zach, it's all good. Um, he's a great guy. Uh, and, and he was a fun guest on yeah. the Geekscape feed. Geekscape is, this is your first Geekscape. Um, I've had some pretty good, I just had John Carpenter's wife, Sandy King and producer on the show earlier this week. And she, we just talked about making horror movies. It was a fun episode. Um, so we are celebrating oh, the female creators oh a lot that's recently. Um, Ooh, okay. well, that's cool. It was a lot of fun. Um, my good buddy Ian Rainey wants to know, hey, I don't have a specific question. I just want to hear about Dr. Horrible. <laughs> you get that a lot, though. Oh, I do. You know, that is the tra- the great tragedy is that all the people who created that ended up having huge careers with like Marvel and other huge TV shows and did not have time to do more backyard stuff. <laughs> right. I'm the only one who was like, hey, guys, I'm still here in the backyard. I would love for you to come back. Um so yeah, it is. It was a wonderful process, and it really was a magic. I mean, can you think of another piece of web content that has been a phenomenon like that? I I can't even think of one. No, it shaped the entire. It shaped it shaped the landscape, and I don't know if it was the writer's yeah. strike that was going on at the same time or that project, but the two those two things just put an influx of talent, and obviously the the technologies, but it put just in the the outlets. But I mean, it put Hulu on the map. Yeah, it did. I mean, uh, it, it put iTunes especially because it was they did it such a clever way. They rolled it out for free and then they took it away after a week. Right. And then they only had it downloadable on iTunes for a while. And I know that Joss said he's made he made more money off of that than he did on Avengers. So um, it was it proved a concept that nobody ever followed up. Right. And it makes me crazy. And I think it's because Hollywood does not like things they can't control. Absolutely. And so if, even if you have these outliers pop up here and there, there's no, no part of that they want to have a, a piece of. They only want to take maybe something from that success story and use it for themselves. They will never be like, let's take that creator and give that creator opportunity to do this more. Not saying that Dr. Horrible didn't have other offers to do more of them. I'm sure they did. But I am saying that, um, you know, in my long storied career on the web, it, it is generally 
the, the creators themselves do not benefit in a long-term way until they're, unless they're able to sort of break in in, in, a, in a Hollywood way, which have not very few people have been able to do. Well, um, let's talk about another project real quick in closing that also had a comic book adaptation like Dr. Horrible did. Um, my buddy Max Snell wants to ask, what's the most challenging thing about participating in a project like MST3K and what's the most fun thing? I mean, challenging is, um, well, the, the most challenging part was just uh, having to have Joel go on tour now. He's on tour for six months, so we don't know if we're going to do more episodes or what. And like being part of, of MS23K. And also, most challenging is having Joel creep up on me and say something to me physically in person. Literally sent me back to when I was eight watching him on TV Absolutely. every time. So actually, it was that more than anything. I mean, I would love to do more um I would love to do more uh, and more of those projects, but he is doing a six month uh, goodbye tour right now. So we don't know uh, the status, but being a part of it was a dream. Um, I also wrote on the show. Uh, I wrote like four episodes the first season and one on the second, cause it was a much smaller order. And I have to tell you like every second of it was just a joy. And when I saw the sketch that I wrote almost word for word being performed by Crow and <laughs> Tom Servo, I literally started crying. I would cry. I would definitely cry. I would cry just to take a picture with them. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. I mean, oh gosh, if we ever do another season, come on, come on to the set, please. Let's do it in, in Geekscape. I just remember high school Jonathan sitting alone in a movie theater watching the MST3K movie. <laughs> wow. No, it's just, he, and do, think about that. Yeah. 40 years or something, or is it 30 years, 40? Like the fact that Joel is still doing something he loves and he just, he, yeah, he did other like stuff, but he really always kept his core fans in mind when he did stuff. And that really is a testament to what is valuable in this life. Like, you know, don't ditch your, I mean, uh, don't ditch your friends just because somebody cool across the street is there. And that's kind of what Hollywood is doing a lot of creators. <laughs> and he had so many offers to move that show to Comedy Central in New York. And he said, we're staying in Minnesota. We're staying in Minneapolis. We're going to keep doing it the way we've been doing it. He was pretty incredible on the uh, on uh, Mark Maron's podcast a few months ago and just talking about that era where he's like, getting these offers and cables blowing up. And he said, "We're gonna. this is only going to work if we stick to what we were doing. And that's what he was interested in. The fact that this yeah. is a new generation discovering the show in this iteration, it's actually funny. Max, my buddy who I just asked this question of, we were sitting at dinner and he said, Hey man, I just found this new show on Netflix that I think you would love. I think this would be your favorite show. It's called MSG three K. And I looked at him like, what? what? <laughs> Wait, this is, you think this is a new show? <laughs> Oh my God. Are you kidding? That is so funny. You just threw my Uh, childhood at me. You just threw like my middle school and high school years back at me. The reason. Also, it's like, yeah, it's like gutting you. Like you're not cool enough to know about MST3K. Like if anybody, I would have assumed it would be you knowing about MST3K. Oh my God. Geekscape is the reason I talk like this is MST3K, Greg (laughs) Kinnear on Talk Soup, and the guest I'm going to have next week, Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall. Oh my God. These guys, the guys, I'm giving you the show I've always wanted to give you guys because I just wanted to meet storytellers that help me out. Like Felicia said, it's all about the mentors. It's all about reading and listening to the universe and then finding that inherent self and putting it back out. Um, let's wrap up. Geekscape, the, the book is called Embrace Your Weird. Um, when does it hit stance? Is it out now? No, it's going to be out October 1st. So I don't know when this comes out, but comes October 1st. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. This is perfect. How immediate. Um, yes. Yeah, so October 1st, it releases. You can pre-order at FeliciaDayBook.com. I will be having events 
Um, across the country, I'm going to be on book tour for two weeks. So there's an LA event if you're in LA on the 19th. And that is kind of the last uh, stop on my book tour. But between now and then, I will be across the country. So come and see me. I'll be doing uh, talks and I will be doing signings. And I'm just excited. I really, I've had very little feedback as, as to how people receive it. And um, I'm delighted to get like, oh, they liked it. They really liked it because I am delighted with it. And I know I did everything I could to make a book that would just help people and in a funny way. Well, so We talked about I you making it. room for the couch. Uh, you're going to have to make yeah. room for all the artwork people are going to bring you. And you did this to oh, yourself. This is your fault. I know. I know. I'm so excited though. When I went on book tour last time, I got so much fan art. I had to two years later go through and be like, I can't pay 200 a month just to store all this art. I, I, I had a person I hired take a picture of everything and put it in a, a little, like a store, uh, a book. And so then I, I was like, okay, I can get rid of all the, f the physical stuff. And I have a picture of everything anybody gave me. Well, one of the uh, charities so, you do on, you know, on Twitch, you do a lot of charity streams. Why not? Uh, w would you be open if this next, uh, this is just me spasming an idea. Uh, yeah. Cause, cause you, cause you did just voice that you had this, uh, the storage problem, and then you went and published a book about making art. So I, 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 I want, I want to feel sorry for you, but you're 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 kind of asking for more. Um, that being if said, I, if you that's I give them away for you know you do a giveaway and like send them all. Yeah, I would say I would say would you be open to potentially doing an auction for some of this artwork, uh, fan for fan artwork at this point? So maybe if you bring your artwork to Felicia on this tour, know that it will ultimately be fan for fan artwork. Felicia will document it, catalog it, and then maybe it'll end up as part of a charity auction. I love that. I love that idea. Um, I actually have done that with a few things in the past, but I like that having that mandate in advance because then maybe it won't just be pictures of my face. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Geeksy Abyss, I'm not saying you wouldn't auction for that stuff. I know you guys would be good. But um, Felicia, thanks for joining me on the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I will do it before the next 11 years, right? <laughs> yes, and Geekscape is looking for a reference to dolphin sex. That episode <laughs> is still on the feed. It is a very early episode and uh i do not i totally remembered it by the way i was like oh yeah, we're both 11 years later 11 years later jonathan has learned a little bit on how to talk to people but not too much <laughs> no you're an excellent interviewer and i am pleased to have reacquainted myself and now i'm a <laughs> thanks felicia um the book embrace your weird it's out soon. Uh, go ahead and pre-order it at Felicia's site. And of course, Voyage to the Stars. You guys can start listening to that. Season one's out. Season two just started. You guys can start subscribing to that right now. If you've enjoyed Geekscape, definitely subscribe, share it with all your friends, leave us those five-star reviews on the podcatchers. And uh, we can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Felicia, where's the best place to find you? You can find me anywhere with Felicia Day. Uh, Felicia Day. That's just my name. On Twitter, on Discord, on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, everywhere. It's Felicia Day because I know how to brand <laughs> god <laughs> <laughs> thanks geekscape is over and out you're listening to the geekscape network